What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Tiffany Hoyd, and you're listening to Hog Havens Riled Up. And we are riled up to bring you the hottest red skin topics with a twist. Happy New Year. This is 2020, and the Redskins are off to the races. We have some great, amazing things happening in D.C. right now in the DMV. You know it's D.C., Maryland, Virginia area for the Redskins. We have a lot of great things to be thankful for in this new year. Bruce Allen is out. Jay Gruden is out. And Dan Snyder has put the wheels in motion for the future of the Redskins. The NFC has a lot of room to grow, a lot of room for that next best team, and the Redskins can be that next best team. We have Steve Sims, Terry McLaurin, a young Dwayne Haskins, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, a host of assistants that have proven themselves in this league. Things are great. And here to discuss all that great, juicy stuff with us is Chuck Walton of Uninterrupted, LeBron James and Maverick Carter's Uninterrupted. He's had a long career in sports. Although he's a very young man still, he's had a very long career. So uh, welcome to the show, Chuck. How you doing, Ted? Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you, Chuck. And you've been all over the world of sports. You've worked for NFL Network, the Warriors, the list goes on and on. Can you just give us a little rundown, quick summary of where you've been, what you're doing, and how great you are? Uh, yeah, man. You know, uh, obviously coming out of the Mecca, uh, Howard University, uh, I had a job with the NFL Network that uh, our good friend Steve White was able to help facilitate to get me to um, Los Angeles. And then from there, I just kind of transitioned all over sports a little bit ended up doing some stuff with uh the golden state warriors uh for four seasons i had to stop before then uh with tmv sports um you know done some stuff with uninterrupted which is uh lebron and uh maverick carter's um digital media company so you know really entrenched in, in that space man uh steve helped facilitate the deal with the nfl network um you know i loved it there uh still have great relationships in that building uh, and then a lot of people obviously know me from, you know, my days with the Golden State Warriors where uh, we got to win three championships together. So just to be a part of that movement yeah. was uh, truly, a, truly a blessing, you know. And, uh, you know, I've done stuff with LeBron, uh, you know, and Maverick Carter's big digital company, uh, Uninterrupted, and uh, TMV Sports, CNN, you know, just doing the, the, the Howard way, man. Mr. Hill really just threw us out there, man, and I've just been trying to run it up. Oh, you have been running it up. And another group of people that have been running it up is the Washington Redskins since since New Year's. They've been off and running. Yes, they have. They have. Uh, making a lot of big moves, you know. Um, obviously, you know, D.C. is like a, a second home to me, um, you know, with the time that we spent there. But also, one of my first gigs in sports was with the Washington Redskins working in the PR department uh, for Tony Wiley and the crew. So, obviously, I watched the team very closely. This season definitely was a season to forget, I would say. But um, I think, you know, Dwayne Haskins got in there. He showed a lot of promise. And uh, I think the future is definitely bright um, for the Redskins, especially with some of the front office moves that they've made. I'm titling this this podcast The Tricks Up Dan Snyder's Sleeve, right? Because we thought he was dead set on keeping Bruce Allen. He really had us there for a minute. 
And then he got rid of Bruce Allen. He brought in Ron Rivera before he brought in a GM, which is a big deal to bring in a head coach before you bring in a GM. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, but what you just said was, was interesting because uh, I think that may become a new trend in the league. And I know that Cleveland is doing the same thing. They're looking to bring in the new head coach and then hire the GM. So it seems like they're really giving head coaches a lot more power than they have in the past. I think they want the coaches to really have their imprints on the infrastructure of the roster and things like that. Um, and, you know, you know, something that we don't talk about a lot often too, Tiff, is in sports – Unfortunately, I think a lot of the people in the higher power portion of sports, a lot of these guys don't have a real football background. Um, even when you look mm-hmm. at basketball, uh, I mean, most guys in basketball have some sort of background, whether they're like in the film department, you know, video department and stuff like that. But in football, there's a lot of guys where, you know, a GM, you know, he might have just been, it's a lot of nepotism, you know, he might just have a famous last name and, you know, his dad put in some work, his granddad put in some work, and, you know, he got a quick internship, and then before you know it, they fast-track him, and now he's in the GM position. So I think uh, you see a lot of the guys that are on the field and the coaches and, former, you know, guys that formerly played and now are coaching, I think they kind of want to have more say um, in terms of the structure of the roster is concerned. Absolutely. I can see a shift in that because you're absolutely right. That is like the analyst job. That's the most analyst job you're going to get. Um, as far as being a GM. But you do see a workout where you have guys who are former players and they come in and they, they, they're they able to do what like Elway did in um, in Denver. Where you, There are guys that are well-versed and they get it done too. But I think that for the most part, you're right. It's an analyst job. Um, some potential GMs, right? I know that they were talking uh, a lot to um, the former... Texans GM or Texans president because what he did he put on Deshaun Watson he picked up a lot of key players for them um, and then they were looking at possibly a Joe Douglas I think that he would be a, a solid guy he was from Philly but someone that um, was mentioned to me possibly would be like a Joe Hortiz or a Tom Coughlin yeah I mean you know Tom Coughlin obviously what he did was with, with the Giants I was talking about Tom Brady the other day and I was just saying you know obviously you know he's a goat but it's like, you know, the, the one guy that was able to solve the Tom Brady Riddle in the two Super Bowls, you know, was Tom. You know, obviously, you know, he's from the old school. Uh, I know some things went down in Jacksonville, but I think that was just more, you know, the team just was such in the bad space. I, I don't really put that on Tom as much as they try to. I think Tom really wanted out of there. So, uh, you know, my thing is I want to get a proven winner, and um, I believe winning is in Tom Coughlin's DNA. Um, and then obviously, too, you have to think about um, geographical, right? Tom Coughlin spent a lot of time um, playing and, you know, coaching against the Redskins, you know, so he's very familiar with the NFC East in that division um, and kind of what it takes to win in that division. So he would definitely be a guy that would be at the top of my list. And if you look at it, the NFC East, it's it's anyone's game right now. Dallas is still trying to figure out what they're going to do with Jason Garrett, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, and you have <laughs> Philadelphia, who's basically like falling apart. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the Jason Garrett thing is one of the, the more weird things that you'll ever see in sports in quite some time, for real. Uh, but then when you look at, you know, Philly, it's like they backdoor their way into the playoffs. Uh, it's kind of And then they get a home playoff game, right, which is crazy because they, they technically have a division winner. But, you know, that's just kudos to, you know, the Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins being so bad that Philly is able to get a, a home playoff game. Um, yeah, man, this, the, the division is – it's competitive still, even though the records weren't that great. It's very competitive. You know, you look at Philly, uh, Carson Wentz is still a young quarterback who, 
is approaching his prime. Um, obviously, he's been inconsistent, but when he puts it together, he could be very dangerous, as he showed a couple of years ago when he was, you know, leading the MVP race before he tore the ACL. Um, obviously, Dallas Dallas has all the pieces in place. You know, I think for them, it's just sometimes, you know, I think Jason Garrett, you know, he did what he had to do, and sometimes relationships run their course. I think they get the right guy in there, and Dallas can easily compete for a Super Bowl. Um, and then, you know, Saquon and the Giants, I think the jury for me is still out on Daniel Jones. I think he, he played better than we expected him to, but I definitely, you know, I don't know if he's still the difference maker there, and they have a lot going on. But for the Redskins, I, I think the next moves are crucial moves. But by hiring Ron Rivera, I think I think that is a very important um, hire, even more than the GM, because it's, it appears that Ron Rivera will be able to have a lot of say in putting the team together. And, you know, you have a young guy in Dwayne Haskins, who I believe this season was only 21 years old. People really kind of forget to take that stuff into consideration. Yeah, he's very young. Very young. And then you draft, you know, Chase Young. And Lord willing, he becomes, you know, Reggie White on that side of the ball for the Redskins, uh, or at least the best person he can be. And, you know, you're cooking with gas. You are cooking with gas, especially you bring in a guy like Jack Del Rio. And he didn't really have the best tenure as a head coach, but for a team needing leadership, the Redskins truly need leadership. That's what last year showed us. You have two guys. You have Ron Rivera and you have Jack Del Rio. These are defensive-minded guys. So that says that Dan Snyder went for defensive-minded head, co- uh, defensive-minded head coach. Um, I think that with the defense that we have, because – I was fully expecting us to have a pretty good defense coming into this season, just based off the pieces. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's automatic. You know, when you add Sweat, and, you know, you go and draft a Chase Young and, and you throw him in there with that defensive line uh, with, with Allen. I mean, I can only imagine, especially with Ron Rivera, you know, he, he's going to implement that 4-3 um, system. So, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, on paper, um, there's a lot of great D-lines in the league, obviously, but just on paper going into next season, if they do draft Chase Young, you have to say that automatically the Redskins have maybe a top two or three uh, defensive line um, in football just on paper. It's not the number one defensive line. The thing about Jack Del Rio is, you know, yes, his last um, tenure you know, didn't go as well, but I'll tell you one thing from obviously working in the NFL and working with a lot of the players uh, in the league, He's one of the most loved figures um, in the sport. You know, people absolutely love Jack Del Rio. He was one of the names that um, I know USC really wanted to bring in a couple years ago when they were thinking about replacing Clay Helton, and they didn't do it. But he's kind of like an Ed Orgeron on the pro level. He's one of those guys, uh, hard-nosed, he plays the game, he knows the game, um, and he's, he's a man's man, he's a player's coach, and the guys really get up and really want to play hard for him. So I think, you know, you match him with Ronald Rivera, I really feel like you're putting two giants in the room, and uh, that's what you have to do when you're trying to change the culture, and that's what the Redskins have to do. They have to change the entire culture. They have to get that winning attitude back. They have to go back to playing that gritty, hard-nosed, smash-mouth football that they're known for in the NFC East. And those are, I mean, if they can't get it done with Del Rio um, at the helm of the defensive side and Ron Rivera, then I just I just don't know um, when we <laughs> the Redskins get back to prominence, to be honest with you. Absolutely, and... Ron Rivera, he brought in a host of great players, especially some guys that he had with him on his Panther staff. His O-line coach, who, with his time with the Panthers, they, had the, they were third in rushing and second in rushing touchdowns. So that's a guy that's proven. We were ailing on the offensive line with the whole Trent Williams situation. He also brought in their a longtime Panthers trainer in Ryan Vermelin. That's a guy that the Panthers, I think they've done well as far as injuries in their time compared to the Redskins. 
And I think that said something about Ron Rivera to want to immediately bring in a trainer because we had like 22 people on our injured reserve list, and that's not even including the Trent Williams fiasco. Wow. Wow. I mean, and that's a big part of the thing, man. Obviously, health is, is your wealth, as my mother would say, right? So, you know, a lot of people get upset with teams, but at the end of the day, man, when some of your stars go down, it's not much you can really do, you know? So, Ron Rivera is very smart about bringing in one, a trainer that he's familiar with, too, because guys are going to want to work with guys that they trust. And obviously, you know, he still has yet to go into that locker room and I'm sure meet everybody in terms of the players are concerned because it's officially off-season for those guys. But, you know, I, I think, like I said, his track record is, is, is being a player's coach as well speaks for itself. And so hopefully the guys will buy into uh, the new trainer and things of, of that nature. Um, and when you look at Ron Rivera, I mean, let, let's be honest. I don't think he did anything to get himself uh, fired. You know, he took the team to a Super Bowl um, yeah. he, he helped, you know, Cam Newton become an MVP. And quite frankly, this past season, if Cam Newton was healthy, I think we would be looking at Carolina playing in the playoffs. I don't know if they were on the table per se, but I definitely think that they're one of the teams, you know, in the tournament here. So injuries are a major part of the game. And uh, it's good to see that, he, you know, he's bringing in people he's comfortable with and, you know, just trying to figure things out to keep the guys on their feet. You talked about that quarterback situation. Dwayne Haskins under Ron Rivera – it's possible that he can have a turnaround like a, a Cam Newton. Cam Newton didn't even have a turnaround. He just came out the gate swinging. But maybe Ron Rivera and working with Cam Newton can bring Dwayne Haskins to that level. I don't know if Joe Burrows falls to that second, third pick. I think we have the second pick. I don't know if he falls that low, actually, because it's the Bengals above them, and they need a quarterback. So... I, I think that Dwayne Haskins is going to end up being the guy, but I think you have to also weigh it. Alex Smith may or may not be back next season. Um, Dwayne Haskins, he showed a lot of promise, but you, when you have a when you're having a huge culture change, do you just cut your losses and go move on, or do you see him shaping up to be uh, a premier quarterback? Well, just like we said about the Del Rio hire, I think it's very important who they surround himself um, in terms of quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. Um, I think just really trying to help find a, a, a match that gels with Dwayne. You know, Dwayne is a, is a very, very, very intelligent individual. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he's a D.C. kid uh, from right there in the backyard. Um, again, Dwayne is extremely young. If He's got to be, you know, don't quote me on this, but he, he can't be a day over 21. He might might have just turned 22, so he's very young. And what people forget about Dwayne is this was not the best situation to be thrown into. It appears that Jay Gruden didn't want to draft Dwayne, so now you're playing for a coach who didn't want to in the first place. That can be awkward in terms of development for a young guy. And then also we forget that Dwayne Haskins only had one full season as a starter at Ohio State. So when you take that into consideration, you know, let's, let's back off to Wayne. I think he showed a lot of promise in certain moments. In certain moments, he definitely looked like a rookie, which is expected. You know, here's a guy that's eager to play. Um, he comes into a situation where, you know, D.C. is one of the strong fan bases in the league, too. It's not like he's just out there playing for, you know, a team that's not, you know, used to winning. Obviously, the Redskins haven't won a Super Bowl in quite some time, but they're used to competing and winning. It's a winning culture. D.C. people want to win. So there's a lot of pressure. He's out there maybe making some throws that he doesn't want to throw. Um, but I think if you get him in the right situation, the right offensive coordinator, I think we'll see Dwayne Haskins really take off because in terms of the tools and the skill set, um, his intangibles are just off the charts. I, I think you know he's got the big arm. Um, he's very strong in the pocket. Uh, when he does break out, he's not the fastest guy, but you know he can he can gain a couple yards on the move. 
Um, I think Dwayne will be fine if the, if the fan base just gives him time. Um, Alex Smith, obviously, you know, loves him as a guy and as a player. You know, I don't think putting him back out there after that injury will be smart. I, I definitely think keeping him around in some type of uh, coaching or backup quarterback or consulting role will, will, will be great. But I, I think Dwayne is going to absolute ball. I definitely, like I said, when you think about him how only having one season as a starter at Ohio State and he threw 50 touchdown passes, I mean, once you give him some time to sit and give him an offseason, um, I'm really good friends with his uh, his quarterback coach, uh, his private quarterback coach, Quincy Avery. So I know him and Quincy are already working. So uh, I, I expect big things from him in the next season. Um, he's a fast learner. So I would be shocked if he's not, you know, a top 10 to 15 guy next year. All right. So Chase Young with that second pick is what you're going for. That's what you uh, agree with the most. <sighs> yes. Yes, I mean, I feel like if Burrow somehow falls, I feel like you still pass on Burrow because I really believe that Dwayne is going to be the answer. The thing for uh, for me, for Burrow, I really, you know, I'm a Victor Burrow fan, but I just feel like sometimes we've seen in college football certain years where just everything just comes together. You know, I grew up a diehard USC fan, and, you know, when I was in high school, Matt Liner was winning game after game after game. And I remember, you know, in 05, they were saying if he entered the draft, he'd be the first pick, he comes back. He fell to number 11, and Matt Leonard obviously didn't have the greatest pro career. So sometimes when you play at these major universities, there's so many pieces around you that really mask, um, you know, how how good you really are for real. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be able to pull this off at the next level. I hope he is because I'm rooting for him, and I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. But that LSU team is loaded, not only on the offensive side, but the defensive side of the ball. They're, they have DBs that are going to be, you know, 10 to 15-year players in this league. So... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily take him just because he may fall to number two. I feel like, obviously, it's very important to get centerpieces. You know, when you look at a lot of great teams, when you look at those Packers teams in the mid-90s, they had Reggie Wright on that defensive side of the ball that they went out and signed, and they had Brett Favre on the other side. So I think, you know, you try and do something like that for, for, for D.C. You've got the young Dwayne Haskins, let him grow, and then you get Chase Young. And, oh, by the way, how poetic is it that Dwayne Haskins is from D.C.? They get to draft him. And Chase Young is from D.C. He played at DeMatha, and he has a chance to play for his hometown team. Um, I hope he was rooting for the Redskins growing up because a lot of people in D.C. <laughs> like to root for the other <laughs> division teams, you know, as we know. But um, yep. that would be kind of a, a cool story in itself. Uh, number two gets to go number two and play for uh, the number one team in his heart. All right, Chuck, we're going to have to take a brief commercial break, and then we're going to come back and discuss Josh Norman. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we're here with Chuck Walton of Uninterrupted and a host of other companies. Chuck, Josh Norman <laughs> played for Ron Rivera at the Panthers, and we know how he left the Panthers. It wasn't too uh, pretty. But he said that he's pleased to have Rivera as a coach again. Um, he signed for a, a five-year, $75 million deal. He's three years, three and a half years into that. Josh Norman has not panned out to what we expect him, expected him to be as a Redskin. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing with Josh Norman. Just kind of like I just stated a second ago, a lot of times in sports, it's not just football, any sports, we become prisoners of the moment. So what I was saying about Joe Burrow kind of applies to Josh Norman. You know, Josh Norman did it for one, maybe two seasons in Carolina. And then, you know, he, you know, and obviously the year when Josh Norman blew up was the year they actually went to the Super Bowl and lost that year to the Broncos. Um, you know, so the fallout happens and he falls into the subsequent, 
you know, large contract because he was very good at a premium position. He was very good at a position where, you know, there's really not a lot of good cornerback play these days in the league. So it's a coveted position. So it's one of those things where, you know, the first sign of life from a guy, you know, playing cornerback in the NFL today, you just throw 50 to 75 to $85 million at him. See what I'm saying? So I think, I think, the Redskins and you know, because a lot of teams are putting offers on the table trying to get Josh Norman. So it was not just him. I think people with the legal prisoners of the moment. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's elite at all. Um, and like you said, maybe sometimes familiarity is what you need. So if they do keep him on the roster, because I I still think that's a big if. I think the best thing he has working in his favor is the fact that he has developed a relationship and he's won with Ron Rivera. So maybe Ron Rivera gets in there and we see somebody breathe new life into him. Uh, but quite frankly, you know, I don't think we're looking at a guy that's elite like you saw back in that 2016 season. Um, hopefully you can get him in there with some pieces and he can be formidable in the defense. Uh, but let's just say he definitely was, was overpaid in my opinion. All right, Chuck, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you have a busy schedule. I just want to ask you one final question, and that's on free agency. Um, who do you think is a guy – I know that we talked about Antonio Brown previously on the show, and maybe he'd be a good fit for the Redskins, and I think that was just a, a gamble, right? And you saw the Saints work him out. That's a guy that uh, – I mean, he's a talent. He's talented, but does his talent outweigh – his off-the-field antics? No. Uh, no, it doesn't. Un- only because he's, he's getting up there and age in terms of his on-the-field is concerned. You know, if if, if, if A.B. Was, was, you know, I guess in years five or six, I would be willing to take a, a flyer on him. Right now, I would, um, you know, because the one thing you don't need, I love A.B., and I, um, I'm also praying for A.B. I hope that, you know, everything works out for him because, um, you know, Football players go through a lot more than people really realize off the field. So I'm definitely rooting for, for AB. But here's the thing, like, I, like I've been saying all in, is Dwayne Haskins is a young quarterback. Uh, Chase Young is going to be a young guy with a lot of pressure on him. And he's bringing a head coach into a city that is starving. And quite frankly, they're not really ready to be waiting for a rebuild and go through things that have to take place when you go through a rebuild by bringing in a veteran coach like Ron Rivera. So the last for that locker room is bringing in AB just because you don't know what he may do. You know, for you know, he goes to New England and, and things didn't work out, and uh, obviously things didn't work out with John Gruden and, and, and those guys to start the season. I just I would just stay away from it right now, man. I feel like the beauty in having a young team is you can get young players and really build and mold them together. Like I said, I worked with the Warriors, and one of the best parts about looking at the Golden State Warriors was you know nobody went to that team and just you know tried to put the big three together. You know, all those guys were drafted. Um, for that first championship, at least. They were all drafted by the organization, and they, they grew together, you know, Clay, Steph, and, and Draymond. So I think that's something that the Redskins should really be looking at trying to do here. Get a young Chase Young, get a young Dwayne Haskins, um, and obviously Scary Terry uh, McLaurin, I think is going to be a star in this league at the receiver position. You have some pieces there. Uh, Paris Campbell, go, um, you know, maybe try and go get him on the team. You know, tr- try and get an Ohio State yeah. offense going or something, you know. But... Um, AB is a great guy, man, but I definitely would just stay away from him at this stage of his career um, and keep the team young, the locker room young, and let them really find what their voice is and um, you know create their own DNA. All right, so no free agents that pop out to you um, as people we need to go and get? Not necessarily that you need to go and get. Um, like I said, I think building through the draft is key. 
the one good thing for the Redskins this year is if you ask any scout around the league or you know any GM that you talk to or even any sports analyst, they will let you know that the 2020 wide receiver group um, for the NFL draft is probably the deepest maybe ever in the history of the draft. I mean, you can get a guy in round three, four, five, or six they may end up being a perennial all-pro. So I think if there's any year where you don't really worry about free agency as much, it'll be this year. There's a lot of guys coming out. You have Chenault from Colorado, obviously Jerry Juice from Bama. Um, you know, there's just a lot of studs coming out in the draft this year. So, you know, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, the list goes on and on. I definitely think the Redskins, and that's another thing too, you know, maybe the Redskins do take a long look at a Jerry Judy at number two, you know, to get Dwayne, you know, a potential future OBJ style threat on the outside. So Chase Young to me is not a slam dunk quite yet, uh, you know, because maybe they want to go all offense, but um, they'll have options at receiver in the draft. And I think they can solve their problems right there. Yeah. I think that uh, adding talent to that Steve Sims, Terry McLaurin, those young guys adding an extra guy there, you have a dom- dominant offense. But what we saw last year is we need offensive line. So those lower picks, I say we go and get some offensive linemen just because, I mean, you have Darius Geis back there, Chris Thompson, give everyone an opportunity to one, throw the ball and two, run the ball. So I think that uh, we should look at you know, some offensive line weapons in this draft, that's for sure. Definitely. You got you to gotta protect up front. Like you said, Darius, I mean, they, the team is so young, man. I hope that D.C. just uh, stays patient because I definitely see uh, a lot of playoff runs in the future, you know, um, kind of like the Saints, right? The Saints haven't won the Super Bowl since, what, 2010, 2009, um, 0-10, but every year you know they're going to make a deep run, and I think that's something we're looking at with this uh, young Redskins team in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chuck. I appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for being on Riled Up. Oh, of course, man. And much love, Tiff. I'm proud of you, man. Keep going. I love the show. Uh, I'm going to keep supporting, man, and, you know, keep making uh, the Howard family proud. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. All right, Tiff. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year, Chuck. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Riled Up. Again, we are Riled Up to bring you the hottest risk in topics with a twist. As always, you guys know the motto. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy New Year. Enjoy your 2020. We have a lot more to give you guys because the Redskins have a lot more to give us. So we're going to keep this thing going. We're going to throw a bunch of episodes at you in the near future. So make sure you check them out because there's a lot for us to dissect going into this new year. Happy 2020. Riled up. Redskins riled up. Please continue to tune in. We appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Hit me up on Instagram at TT a legend. That's T-T-A-L-E-G-E-N-D. Again, TT a legend. Thank you, and remember to stay riled up.